Well, it is offering time, time to worship God with our tithes and our offerings. Uh, there, you can go to our website, citychurch.ca, and give there. And if you want to give by cash or check or card, there's envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. And then also at our giving kiosk at the back of the auditorium after service. I'm just going to read you this morning uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not hard to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that at all times, uh, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Aren't you thankful that God is a generous God? That everything that we have in our lives, that God has given to us. And so when we're giving back to him this morning, our tithes and offerings, we're not giving under compulsion. We're not giving because we have to. We're giving because we get to. We get to honor God, worship him with our giving. And then we know that he is going to cause blessings to abound in our lives so that we can give again. And then he's going to give back to us again. And then we're going to continue to give. And this is what God's economy looks like in our lives. And we do this with joy. God loves a cheerful giver. So let's just give with a smile on our face today. Let's pray. Father God, we're so glad to be able to give today. We honor you with our tithes and offerings. We just worship you today. We put you first in our finances. We give with joy today. We thank you, Lord, for all of the blessings in our lives, and we just give back to you today the first part. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just have a couple announcements this morning before we continue with the service. Next Sunday, we have a young adult event. We have soccer baseball. Now, I feel like when I was a youth pastor, I invented soccer baseball. We would play it so much, such a great time, but apparently I didn't invent it. I found out I was super disappointed. Uh, But next Sunday, we are going to be at Promenade Meadows. If you are part of our young adult group, you received an email. So you need to bring a lawn chair and something to eat. So it's going to be like picnic, soccer, baseball. And you know, at our young adults gatherings, if you're single, you know, you just never know what happened. Because everybody's looking for a soccer baseball pro, you know what I'm saying? Those skills will just show out next week. Uh, this Friday at our youth, City Youth, City Youth is from grade 6 to 12. It's happening uh, this Friday. We're starting a brand new series called Life on Purpose. And we just want to remind the parents that youth ends at 8.30. Everybody say 8.30. So parents, what time does that mean that you'll be here to pick up your students? Because they're your students, you're going to be here at what time? 8.30. You're like, ah, Michael and Ruth can take care of them for another hour. No, they're your kids. <laughs> we'll see you at 8.30 this Friday. Pick them up. And remember, this Wednesday night, we have worship and prayer night starting at 7 p.m. It's going to be a great time. We do these from time to time. Just set some extra time aside. Spend time in God's presence. Spend time praying. We have a guest worship leader with us this Wednesday, Candace Myers. She's from Slate Church. She's no stranger to our church. She's going to be here with our team this Wednesday. It's going to be a great time. Well, we actually have a a guest this morning. This past Friday, we had Peter and Carolyn Haas with us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, from Substance Church. And they just invested into many of the marriages here at our church. And how many of you came on Friday? Yeah, we had a great time. We got to sit at our own tables with our spouse, and they invested so much um, into our marriage, so we're so thankful. But Pastor Peter is going to be coming this morning to bring the word, so let's give him a special City Church welcome this morning. Love you. All right, what is up? Welcome to the City Church, everybody. Are you guys alive and awake? Oh, we're going to get you alive and awake by the end of today. If, you're, if you haven't met me yet, I'm like a firecracker in a small room. So we're going we're gonna to dive into God's word. You made it. You made it to church. I, I just, man, it is so fun to be in Ontario today. I, I, I love your pastors. Come on. Brent and Nicole, don't you love your pastors? They, they're, 
they're so fun. They, they took us to downtown Toronto yesterday. And man, you know, the more time, you know, like there's some people you spend time with them and the, and the more time you're with them, the less time you want to be with them. Come on. Have you ever been with those people? Okay. Now your pastors are the opposite of that. I, they genuinely love Jesus. They genuinely love you guys. I even just, I mean, even just Pastor Nicole serving in kids this morning. I mean, come on. They love your kids. How many of you know that's how they know they love you, right? No, really, how beautiful. You guys, you guys are, are, you truly have the spirit of God in you. And I, I just, the, the more I get to know you, the better I love you. And the more I want to just do life with you. And I just want to say, hey, if you're newer to this whole God thing or newer to this church, I'm just saying, this is good soil. I get to be in a lot of churches. This is good soil. Can we give it up one more time? I love you guys for real. Now, believe it or not, I, uh, I didn't give my life to Christ in the church. I didn't grow up as a believer. I, I actually gave my life to Christ in a nightclub of all places. Really traditional faith, so to speak. Now, for real, I, I, used to be, uh, I used to be an electronic dance music turntablist who would tour nightclubs really all over the place. I produced electronic dance music, which some of you probably were like, well, I didn't guess that you were a pastor when you first got up on stage anyway. But I, I no, for real, I, I, that's what I used to do. And uh, I loved music producing. And, and uh, I, to be honest, I didn't want anything to do with Christians or Christianity, but I did have a Christian friend who kept saying, Peter, you got to try Jesus. And I was like, eh, you know, I've been to a I've been to church and I'm pretty sure you have to love boredom in order to go to church. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, I, to be honest, in my mind, there were only two types of Christians, the ones who liked boring and the ones who were just mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know, I didn't know there were any other options, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you, life has kind of a way of forcing you to get past your stereotypes, doesn't it? At some point or another, I, uh, I went through a series of tragedies that forced me to start asking deeper questions about my life, about the meaning of life. And my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, when we first started dating, um, she found her father's body right after he had committed suicide. And it was awful. It was literally awful. And then that same week, my good friend died in a car accident. When you see, you know, how fragile life is, when you have a front row seat to the fragility of life, you start, I couldn't fake it anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't just pretend, oh, that life is all about getting money or life is all about this or that. I, I was just depressed. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was working in a nightclub that weekend and I was, in the, I was in the DJ booth looking down on the dance floor on everybody just thinking, what are we doing? Like we're pretending to have fun. Half the nightclub was drunk or stoned. And I remember thinking, what are we doing? This is so miserable. I mean, we're pretending to have fun. None of us actually has true joy because we're all going to wake up tomorrow morning depressed or hungover or something. You know what I'm saying? Like in my mind, I'm like, what are we doing? And, and all of a sudden, this weird thought, the weirdest thought ever came into my head. And it's this, Peter, what if God exists? What if there's a plan for your life? And I literally was like, I, I literally, I stepped away from the turntables and I'm like, God, if you created the universe, if you do exist, you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. Just give me a sign. Give me a miracle. Show me like lightning bolts across the sky, spelling it out, right? Islam, Buddhism, none of the above, right? Just make it clear, right? I mean, why not? I, I remember kind of just praying this prayer. Like if God is, if God did create the universe, I mean, I knew enough to know that this whole universe could not have spontaneously arrived out of nothing. And then boom, here we have PlayStation 5s, we have Croc shoes and the Bachelorette. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I knew that there has to be like, like the world didn't just spontaneously appear and, and evolve and, and, and like this. You know what I'm saying? I knew there had to be some sort of creator, but I, and so I, I kind of, I remember praying this prayer. I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't know how to end the prayer. So like when I, when I was at the end, I was just like, and done. You know, like I didn't know, I didn't know what to say. I didn't even know. And then I remember kind of snapping out of it. Like, Peter, what are you doing? You're praying. You must really be depressed. My next thought was just being fully honest was Peter, you need to go on your smoke break. And, uh, and so I handed off the turntables to my assistant. I started walking down the stairs to get out of the nightclub. I'm only about 30 seconds away from that prayer. 
and a, and a guy walks up to me, taps me on the arm and says, dude, I know this might sound weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. 30 seconds after I prayed that prayer in a nightclub. Okay, so I, I'm kind of like, I, I'm like, what did you just say? And, and I, I, I probably was coming off very intimidating to this guy because then he repeated again like, like, I was gonna, like I was mad at him. Like, Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. And I'm like, and I'm, like tell him, I'm freaking out inside. Like, oh my gosh, Jesus just showed up in my nightclub, right? Like, how did he answer that prayer in 30 seconds in a nightclub? And I'm like, so I go, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I think he thought I was like mocking him. Like, tell me what I'm supposed to do, Jesus boy. You know, like when in reality, I was like, I was freaking out inside. Like, I'm like, you have no idea. I just prayed, God, if you exist, show yourself to me. And then all of a sudden, 30 seconds later, and and I'm like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, um, repent of your sin. You know, he gave me this like really awkward, you know, one minute gospel presentation. And at the end, I knew, I knew I had to do whatever he said. Cause I prayed, I asked God and now, you know, he showed up. So I got to do what he says. And I'm like, all right, so what next? And you know, and he was almost a little startled. Like it, like, really, you want this? Like, and I'm like, yes. I mean, like, tell me what, like, he goes, well, okay. Uh, he, he grabbed me by my hands and we just sat down in a nearby booth and I gave my life to Jesus right there in that nightclub and went to church with him the next day. Can you believe that? That's literally my story. And I freaked out my friends and family. They could not believe that I went to church with that guy the next morning. But you know what? I did. And that was it. I was committed from that day forward. And I, I, I say this because, listen, I don't know what your background is, but God can reveal himself to anyone. Do you know that? God can snap his fingers and reveal himself to anyone. I think we all have loved ones who we all want to know the Lord. And we think that there are certain people who are beyond the saving grace of God. Um, And we start to believe the lie that there are certain people who will never be open to it. God could snap his fingers and make people open. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. It's okay. It's okay to be skeptical. Okay. God loves skeptics too. But I, I just, I want you to know that, that God can do anything. And, and, uh, and if you're out there and you're wondering, well, Peter, do you still have the turntable skills to pay the bills? I, I actually, believe it or not, went back into electronic dance music just a couple years ago, started producing albums. I, I started a band called Substance Variant, and uh, in 2017, we made it into the top 10 mainstream EDM. And in fact, if you're interested, just check out Substance Variant on YouTube, because we, we're, we're now touring the world. Believe it or not, you can still be a pastor and a DJ. I'm just saying, oh. You can do it. You can do it. No, so I, I, for real though, uh, I, God has done miracles in my life ever since I gave my life to Christ. And I, 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 I want to I wanna tell you another story where God did something similar in the Bible. How many of you guys remember the story of Cornelius out of Acts chapter 10? Just if you, if you don't remember, uh, it's okay. It's actually a story that's kind of similar to mine. And in Acts chapter 10, we read about this dude named Cornelius. And um, the Bible teaches that he did not know anything about Jesus, the name by which we are saved. He knew God existed, but he didn't know about Jesus, okay? So he, he had this incomplete knowledge of God, this incomplete knowledge of salvation, and he's missing it. He's missing this critical piece, yet he knew God existed and he knew he wanted to try to honor God with what knowledge he had. And so the Bible tells us about what he did in the midst of this. Even though he had limited knowledge of God, he still prayed and he still tried to be generous. Check this out. Acts chapter 10, verse 2. It says this. Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and he prayed regularly to God. So even though he did not know who Jesus was, he still acted on the knowledge that he had. He knew what being, he had a, he kind of had a, a foundational idea of what being a good person was, and he was doing that. He, he gave generously to the poor. He prayed regularly to God. Now watch what happens, verse three. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. 
Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. Okay, now the Greek word translated terror means to be completely and utterly horrified. Okay? I mean, scared out of your mind. You have to understand, according to scripture, angels are terrifying. Okay, half the time when angels show up in scripture, their first words were, do not be afraid, (laughs) right? Okay, listen, if every time people look at you, you have to tell them, do not be afraid, guess what, you're scary. (laughs) I'm just telling you, okay? And that is a pretty good sign that angels do not look like naked babies with wings. Where did we get that idea? If a naked baby with wings showed up and said, don't be afraid, I'd be like, I'm not. You're a naked baby with wings. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would not be scary to me. I don't know where we got that idea, but I, I'm just saying, and, and, you know, in fact, there's actually, there's actually a, a, an angel in the Bible called the destroying angel. That's like his name, the destroying angel. People name their kids after angels, right? Here's Michael, here's Gabriel, and my son, the destroying angel. Some of you, you're like, my son is the destroying angel. That would, no, and wouldn't it be ironic if the destroying angel was a giant naked baby with wings? That, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. Okay, no, for real though, seriously, angels are warriors. They're scary powerful, okay? That's the idea that scripture gives us. And so verse four, so Cornelius stares at him in terror. Verse four, what is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied. Get this, okay? This is what the angel said. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. Now, stop and think about this for a second, okay? God was so moved by Cornelius' actions that he sent an angel to him to give him a revelation, even to the degree of giving him a street address. Okay, imagine an angel randomly showing up and saying, I want you to find Bill Smith, and he lives at this exact address on, on Lake Ontario, and you will find him at such and such a place. I mean, how specific is that? How weird is that? Sometimes we, we, we forget how weird this actually is. Giving him a street address in response to what? Your prayers and your gifts to the poor. Okay, now, let me just point this out, Okay. As I meditated on this, it's pretty clear in the Bible that generosity moved the heart of God and still moves the heart of God. If you want to know how to move the heart of God, if you want to know how to get noticed by heaven, well, you know what? The Bible just gave us a a little template right here. Generosity so moved God that he sent an angel to Cornelius to give him a revelation. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little more clarity about God's will in my life. What, what I should be doing, where I should be investing, how I should be thinking, how I could parent my kids, how I can be a better spouse. Guess what? I need wisdom. I could use all the clarity I can get. But, and, and, and according to scripture, if you needed to know God's will in any area of your life, according to scripture precedent, prayer and generosity is a great place to start. I mean, again, Cornelius did not know the name of Jesus Christ, the name by which we are saved. And yet, because he was generous with the limited knowledge that he had, God sent him a revelation. Man, I want a revelation today. That's why God, I mean, think about it. Why do you think God showed up to me in the nightclub? It's because the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, James 4, 8. What if the very piece of information that would change your life, your marriage, your physical body could be achieved simply by you taking that little baby step like Cornelius did in scripture. Okay, so now uh, over the years, I, I, I've, I've done a lot of different things. Obviously, after I became a, a Christian, I still started uh, producing music. I became a worship pastor at a church and and um, I actually write a lot of comedy books, believe it or not, as, as strange as that might sound. I wrote a book called Pharisectomy, How to Remove Your Inner Pharisee and Other Religiously Transmitted Diseases. Okay, so I, I, 
So I, I wrote that back in the day, and, and I actually tell, and by the way, I actually tell all these stories in that book. I'm, I'm bringing that up because if you want more, you can find it there. But I, I wrote about my own personal Cornelius story uh, in the book. My wife and I had been saving up. We planted a church called Substance. We just wanted it to sound more like a nightclub, right? Because we just thought, you know, I, we were trying to plant a church for people that didn't like church, right? So we didn't want it to sound like a church. And so... Uh, um, we, we had been, our, our church had been expanding a lot. And so we were, we were actually saving up for our fourth location at that time. And I, I really did believe that God wanted to expand our church. And, um, at that time, my wife and I had been saving up for a new house. We had been dreaming of a new house. We have three kids. And, uh, at the time we lived in a super small house in a very high crime area of Minneapolis. And yet, even though we had been saving up all that money, we really felt like the Lord had different plans for that money. Have you ever sensed that before? Like you had an agenda, but you know God's agenda is different than yours. You know what I'm saying? You just have that nudge in your heart. And, um, and so at that time, we were doing a little offering in our church for, you know, for, for our new campus. And I, like my wife and I were just praying, like, God, how much would you have us give towards this offering? And so, of course, you know, my wife runs the finances in our family. She's the bean counter in our family. And so, like, as we were getting ready to pray about how much we should give, I'm like, baby, how much do we even have? Like, I don't even know how much we have in our bank accounts. And she, like, you know, opened up her laptop. She's checking through all of our funds and, and she started listing it off. Well, right now we have about 23,000 in, in our mutual funds. We have about 3,000 in our checking account. We got about nine grand in our car fund. She's kind of going through all of the, the list. And I kept thinking to myself like, wow, Dave Ramsey would be proud of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, I, to be honest, I was like, wow, I had no idea that we were that good at saving. Right. I mean, I was just like, wow, this is like, we're doing really well. And literally out of nowhere, I sensed the Holy Spirit say to me, Peter, I want it all. I want you to give it all. And of course, you know, my first thought, just being fully honest was that can't be the Lord. I rebuke that Satan. You know what I'm saying? There's no way. There's no, like, like in my, maybe, you know, like give it all. I mean, there's no way. Like I, I just, or, or maybe I'm not hearing God correctly. Maybe I need to clear out my ears. Maybe instead of, I want you to give it all. Maybe, maybe the Lord said, I want you to go to the mall. You know, because it sounds kind of similar. And I'm like, I'll go to the mall. I'll carry that cross. I'll shop for you, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like I, I, and then, and then uh, like, just, I'm being fully honest with you. My, this is the thought process in my head. Then my next thought was, what if the devil is telling me to give away all my money to be overzealous? You know what I'm saying? The, the devil is just trying to get me to be impulsive. And I want you to give it all. And, and then I'll regret it. And then I started thinking, why would the devil want me to give more money? to God's church. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't make any logical sense. And, and, and then you see, the truth was in that moment, I was hearing the Lord clearly, but I was just scared. I'd never really obeyed the Lord quite on that level to that level of inconvenience. And I, I, I almost had this like weird fear just come over me. Like, oh, God, if I did that, if I emptied out all my bank accounts for you, I, that's not just going to set us back a year or two. I mean, this could set us back five years. I mean, this, and, and we had already been sacrificing so much in this tiny house for so long. And, and we had planted the church. I'm like, God, we've done so much. And yet, I, I, you know, and you have to understand at that time, I, so my, my wife and I have three kids and uh, three of whom are women. And uh, all of us were using the same little pedestal bathroom sink. I kept thinking, you know, all five of us in this bathroom, God, I mean, I'm just like, ah, I don't want to share my sink anymore. I want my own bathroom. You know, like in my mind, I was just like, I immediately kind of went into selfish mode. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, ah, you know, I'm sick of my rust. I'm sick of my minivan filled with Cheetos and food and yuck and grossness and missing hubcaps and this. I mean, I just started listing off everything in my life that I had been already in my mind sacrificing for the Lord. And yet my wife all of a sudden broke me out of this like, you know, whining in my head. She goes, well, Peter, what do you sense God telling us to give in this offering? I looked at her and I'm like, baby, you might think this is crazy, but 
you know what I feel? And then she immediately stopped me. She didn't even let me finish my sentence. And she said, Peter, I think the Lord is calling us to give away all of our money. And I looked at her like with a weird smile, like, you know, really? You think God's telling you the same thing? And then, you know, in my mind, I was like, are you sure you didn't say go to the mall? You know, like, I'm just, again, I'm like, give it all, really? And, and, and so then we, we, got our, we got our kids together and we just said, hey, uh, kids, I really feel like the Lord is calling us to go all in on the gospel. Remember your daddy's story of going, giving his life to Christ in the nightclub? I made the decision to go all in. Remember when we planted this church in Minneapolis 18 years ago? Like the Lord told us to go all in. I feel like the Lord's calling us to go all in again. Do you guys want to do it? And you know what? They all said, let's do it. Let's sacrifice for God. He's never, he's never failed us. So let's go for it. And, and I got to be honest with you, church. It took a lot of work to get rid of all that money. I mean, like even just calling up my financial advisor, telling him what we were doing. I mean, he almost thought, are you feeling suicidal? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like it, it, was, it was weird. And uh, I had to grieve the fact that after we gave away all that money that we had to stay in our little house, right? We couldn't shop anymore for a new house. And it was the, but to be honest, it was the little stuff that bugged me. Right after we gave away all of our money, my snowblower died, which, you know, in Minnesota, you know, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity, right? We had like eight feet of snow this last year. And, and uh, I, I just, I, and of course, you know how it is, like immediately I'm thinking, we just gave away all the money. I don't even have any money for my, my savings, let alone a snowblower. So I thought, oh, looks like I'm shoveling this year for Jesus. It was one of those, it was one of those moments where like you immediately like, oh, why did I give... Lord, why did you call me to give away all my money? This is not even like convenient. And of course, you know how it is when it rains, it pours. Everywhere I went, there was a gorgeous snowblower for sale, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was almost like the devil was just rubbing it in. You know what I'm saying? See, you chose to, you know, live for Jesus. Now you have to shovel, right? And, and I, I remember like I was at, I was at like, what, I was at our Home Depot uh, store and I'm looking at everywhere I went, there was this gorgeous snowblower. It just looked like angels were ascending and descending over this thing. And, and I, and yet I look at it and I'm like, I can't even afford a vacation, let alone a snowblower. I mean, we have, we have to get our savings account back up. And I, I was actually, kind of mad in that moment. I was actually like, Peter, were you overzealous? Did you just, did you, did you just kind of go overboard for Jesus? Was this, was that really necessary to empty your savings account for Jesus? I just kind of almost started regretting it. And while I was in the store, all of a sudden I get a phone call from a friend and he's like, Peter, you know what? I'm going to this one church service tonight to hear this one Scottish preacher. Do you want to join us? And, And of course, being fully honest, I was like, I'm not in the mood to go to church tonight. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I'm like, I'm not in the mood. And he's like, oh, Peter, you, you're going to love it. Please, 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 please come with me. I'm like, Ugh, okay, I'll go, right? So I go to church with this guy tonight. I'd never heard this Scottish preacher before. And literally the guy was in the middle of the service and I'm sitting halfway through the back of the auditorium and he goes, you, Peter, Like he didn't, he pointed me out. He didn't actually say my name, but he said, you with the blonde hair, stand up. And he pointed at me and I'm like, me? Like, and he goes, yeah, stand up. And so I stood up and this is what he said. He goes, the Lord, when I saw you, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you were asking the question, like, were you overzealous? And the Lord says, you have answered God's call to produce wealth. And that as a result of your decision, God is going to be bringing a sequence of blessings into your life that are absolutely incredible. And he said that to me. And like, I was like, that was so weird. Like, what do you, like, how did he know what I was thinking? Like literally through the entire worship, that's all I could think about was that snowblower, right? Like, did, did I, was I overzealous? Did I, was I financially foolish? And then all of a sudden he calls me out and he says that. I thought that was really, really, really weird. Okay, so as I'm leaving the church service that night, I'm walking out the door 
And I get a phone call from a random person in our church. I'd never met them before. And they're like, uh, they're like, Pastor Peter, I go to your church and I got your phone number from, you know, such and such a staff member. And I asked them if I could get your phone number and call you. And so, and I'm like, yeah, what, what can I do for you? And, 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 and she said, well, actually it's more like, what can I do for you? I know this is going to sound strange, but the Lord spoke to me this last week that I was supposed to buy you a snowblower and that I, I, I'm going to drop it off at your house tonight. Is that okay? <laughs> did, did, did somebody tell you that I need a snowblower? No, it was the weirdest thing. It was like the Lord was just really clear in worship. Buy Pastor Peter a snowblower. And so can I drop it off? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, like here's my address. Okay, get this. When I got home, there they were with the red shiny snowblower that I looked at earlier on in the day. I kept thinking, what are the odds? Nobody even knew that my snowblower died. Nobody knew that I was whining about it all throughout worship. Nobody knew, I mean, like in my mind, except for God. It was just like me and God. And it was like, it just felt like God was speaking to everybody, right? And I, I just, and let me tell you, church, every time I fire up that snowblower, man, I just feel like having a Pentecostal revival. Why? Because I know it's a gift. I know it is a gift. I, I just, get this. Get this, that coming month after that moment, our church income just started skyrocketing out of nowhere. I mean, like, like bumped by literally over 20 grand a week, like a million dollars a year. Out of nowhere, I started getting phone calls from major Christian book publishers, you know, wanting to do book deals with me. Out of nowhere, people just started randomly coming up to me saying, the Lord told me to give you money. I don't know why, but I just know I'm supposed to give it to you. One guy even came up, gave me $10,000. I was like, are you kidding? Like, I, maybe that happens to you all the time, right? But I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, what is happening? You see, as I look back on my life, here's what I think is actually happening. When I see the scriptures, I actually believe that I was experiencing the same favor that Cornelius was, a supernatural favor. Not, not like, the only way I can describe it is that, that, hey, just like Cornelius, my prayers in my generosity went up as an offering before the Lord and he responded in a supernatural way. And, and I'm not saying that God is a genie in a bottle and if we just, you know, rub the bottle the right way, he'll just do what you want. But I, I, cause, but at the end of the day, I, I just, I, I, I do really believe that God can snap his fingers and change everything for us. It's not a problem for God. And, and, um, you know, he did things that were otherwise impossible for me, but here's the truth. I believe the Lord will also test us here and, and not because he's mean. He'll test our generosity. He'll test our prayers. He'll make sure that we've got the character, not because he's mean, but because he loves us so much. He wants to make us make, he wants to make sure that our hearts are right, right? Because, uh, God loves us so much. He wants to guarantee that his blessings won't destroy us. Okay, let me, let me put it to you this way. The question is not, does God want to bless you? He does. He already wants to bless you. You don't even have to pray for God's blessings. Are you hearing me? The question is, is do you have the character to sustain the weight of God's blessings? That's really the issue in, in all of our lives. Okay, and how do you know if you're ready? Well, uh, simply look at your prayers. Do you pray for promotion more than promotability? Do you pray for money more than stewardship and generosity. Some of you, you're praying for a spouse. What you need to be doing is praying for character worthy of a spouse. Are you hearing me? You see the difference? It may sound like semantics, but actually it's the very difference that actually reveals where our hearts are truly at. I, I actually think like uh, at the end of the day, blessings are never a problem for God, but the character in us that can sustain the weight of those blessings, completely different, right? And because God loves us, he's going to test us here on a regular basis to make sure that our hearts are right. Let me, let me give you one last story that I think will illustrate where we're going with this. I, I, uh, just as a, as a quick 
um, story about my family. So I, I mentioned that my wife and I have three kids. I think we have a photograph of my family uh, that we just took just two weeks ago. Um, so I've got, I, in, in the picture, so I've got two girls and my youngest son is on the left. Uh, my oldest daughter just got married two weeks ago. So it's really fun uh, just to, to watch the Lord expand our family. So I got to adopt a new son in love uh, named Caden. And uh, of course, the the story, though, I want to tell is about my middle daughter on the right of the, of the screen. Her name is True, like true and false, okay? We're into really creative names. And uh, True, you know what's crazy about True is ever since she was a little girl, God has used her um, to do miracles in our family. And uh, to, to give you an example, she, she's always had this really crazy prophetic gift where uh, God will use her in very specific ways. So for example, um, many of you guys remember back when the housing market imploded in the United States back in 2008. I'm not sure how it affected you guys here, but uh, I remember um, we put our house on the market um, shortly after that, and the for sale sign in our neighborhood was forever. I mean, the realtor uh, told us, hey, on average, it takes about 159 days to sell a house in your neighborhood. And so they were, they were, the, the realtor was basically saying, Peter and Carolyn, you just don't expect to sell your house fast. This is a, a several-month process. You're going to show your house hundreds of times uh, before you actually get an offer on it, just to prepare you for it. Okay, so the realtor is telling us this. Well, my daughter was nine years old at the time. True, was nine years old at the time. She overheard me telling my wife, hey, it's about 159 days to sell a house on average in our neighborhood. And my daughter, True, she just immediately stopped me and she goes, no, dad, that's not correct. It's not how the Lord's going to do it. And, and I look at her like, what do you mean? She goes, well, the Lord spoke to me about our house. And he said, your house is going to sell exactly five days from the day you put it on the market. It was so specific coming from my nine-year-old. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, she goes, well, I just stopped. And I'm like, God, how long is it going to take to sell our house? I closed my eyes. I saw a meter and the meter went back and forth over the days of the week. And the Lord said, you're going to be depressed on Saturday and encouraged on Sunday. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, it's going to sell for the asking price in exactly five days. She's nine years old, okay? It was almost like, whose alien child are you? You know, like, just like, what do you mean? Like, go to your room and play. You know, like, it was almost like, it was weird. I, to be honest, it was so specific. And, and sure enough, we, we did an open house that weekend. Everybody came through it on Saturday, ripped on it. Like, I cannot believe they're selling a house for this much money. And then on Sunday, exactly five days from the day we put it on the market, somebody gave us an offer on our house for the asking price and we got it, okay? Like, literally it happened. Okay, how, how many of you are gonna listen to your daughter just a little bit more? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was almost weird. It was almost like, I can't believe that happened. It came true just like my daughter said. Well, okay, now fast forward a few months. At the time, our church was having a terrible time trying to buy property. Um, in Minneapolis, there's a lot of, a lot of, most of the municipalities are very much against churches. In fact, uh, we had tried to buy over eight different properties and everywhere we went, the city would stand against us, say, we don't want a church in our city um, and refuse to, to, to allow anyone to sell to us. Eight different times we tried to buy property. Even though we had $5 million in the bank, we couldn't buy property for over five years. Well, so what happened was, is we were doing, we were doing portable church in four locations. It was literally chaos. I would run back and forth between all these locations and preach and, and, uh, it was exhausting. It took 600 people to do set up and tear down at these four locations every Sunday just to do church. I was exhausted. I was weary. I, people were leaving our church. Every single week, someone would leave our church and say, Pastor Peter, you said we were going to be in a building this time 
last year and we're still not in it. I, I don't think you know what you're doing. And they would leave our church. And so, and then to make matters worse, you know, like we, we went through a few staff transitions at our church and, you know, people were grieving change, right? So things would change every so many months and people, literally people, it felt like every single week I'd show up at church and people were, were leaving. And I just started getting depressed. I don't know if you've ever been in a funk before. I don't know if you've ever started questioning everything, but this is one of those moments where I'm like, God, am I even a lead pastor? Am you, maybe I'm terrible at this. Maybe I shouldn't even be a pastor. I can't even find a building for our church. I know that might sound a little weird, but I, I was so depressed that I actually made the decision in my heart. I'm not a pastor. Clearly I'm miserable. Maybe all my critics are true. Maybe what they're saying about me are true. Maybe I'm a, like people would leave our church. You're just not a deep preacher and, and you just don't, you know, like you don't understand how to lead a church. I mean, people would say that almost every week. And I finally was like, maybe they're right. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And I, I got to this point where I, I couldn't even hide my discouragement from my kids anymore. My wife knew I was depressed. My kids knew I was depressed. And I just, I, I had no idea how to, to lead through that moment. Well, in the middle of that dark season, my daughter, True, now 10 years old, she came up to me and, you know, she just said, Dad, I really want to encourage you. It's really sad when your 10-year-old is, in, is encouraging you, okay? Can I just say that? That was even more depressing for me, right? Dad, I just want to encourage you. I know you feel sad and I know that, um, I know that it's been hard at the church and, and she goes, but the Lord wants to encourage you. Uh, he, he spoke to me about a church building and I was like, really, you know, like, and she goes, it was just like our house. And now I was like, what do you mean? Like, talk to me, you know, like it was like, she goes, well, we were driving by this building that, that didn't happen. It was a building that we had prayed over and then didn't happen. And she goes, and she goes, so I looked at the building and she said, God, would you reveal yourself to me? And would you speak to me about when, um, you're going to give our church a building. And, and she said, uh, and she goes, dad, it was very clear. The Lord immediately said by this time next Thursday, your dad is going to find a building with a double layer to it. And I'm like, what do you mean a double layer? Like people sit up here and people sit down here. I'm like, like a balcony. And she, yeah, where people, it's like two layers and people are up here and people are down there. And I'm like, Okay, you know, she, she's 10, right? She doesn't know all the words, right? And I'm like, a, a building by Thursday? She goes, yeah, I saw the meter again. I closed my eyes and the meter fell on Thursday. And, and then the Lord said, you're gonna, you're gonna find it by Thursday and make a decision by this Thursday. And of course, you know, like I had no real estate meetings planned. I, I've, I've got no, I, how am I supposed to make this happen? I've been looking for, I know every building on the real estate market in our region and there is no building with a balcony on the market. And, and then she goes, oh, dad, it's beautiful. The Lord even showed me what it's going to look like. And I'm like, what, are, what do you mean? And she goes, I just closed my eyes. And I, the Lord showed me that, that, um, that it's beautiful. The ceilings are really, really high on this building. And, and just as she described it, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Peter, the skeptic just rose up inside and said, no stinking way. How am I supposed to find a building with a balcony with really high ceilings by this time next Thursday? I, again, I have no real estate meetings planned. I mean, I like, I, I just, and, and right when I was about to almost scoff at this, at my daughter, I stopped myself and I just, it was like the Lord just whispered in my heart, Peter, is anything too difficult for me? Remember how I revealed myself to you in the nightclub? Remember how I revealed myself to Cornelius? Is anything too difficult for me? And I had to stop myself and say, God, no, if you want me to find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday with high ceilings, then so be it. I literally prayed that prayer, okay? And so then I, okay, so the next couple of days passed and nothing's happening. I'm not finding the building, right? And I'm, I, now it's Thursday is only two days away and nothing's happening. And I'm like, oh no, is this that moment when I have to sit down with my daughter and say, we don't always hear from the Lord. You know, like sometimes we have an overactive imagination. I know some of you are like, wow, you are really a faithless pastor. I know. I just, in my mind, I'm just ah, all up in my head. And, and so all of a sudden, so it's Tuesday, two days before Thursday, I get a phone call from my financial 
administrator at church. And he's like, pastor, I totally forgot to tell you about a real estate meeting in downtown Minneapolis. I know this is your sermon writing day. Like he was worried that I would be mad. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like a real estate meeting? He goes, yeah, there's a building in downtown that we're going to go look at as a, as a possible campus. And, 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 and I'm like, does it have a balcony? You know what I mean? Like, does it have a balcony? He goes, I don't know, but in two hours, why don't you meet us in downtown? Well, I get off the phone and my daughter overheard me talking about a building and she goes, dad, you're looking at a building today, aren't you? Remember, the Lord says you're going to make the decision in two days by Thursday. And then it, it, remember, it has to have a balcony or it's not the Lord. And, and she goes, remember, it has high ceilings. And so if this building doesn't have high ceilings, she was so worried that I might look for the wrong building, right? And, and so uh, she actually said, oh, dad, I forgot to tell you, um, the Lord spoke to me that your dad will know this building is the one when he looks up and says, wow. So remember that, dad. I mean, most buildings, you don't look up and you don't say, wow. I'm like, what does that even mean? And she was, oh, I, also, it's covered in red. Remember that. Covered in red, you'll look up and say, wow, it has a balcony. I'll, and she basically was like, I'll draw a picture of it today at school just to make sure. So that you, and I'm like, whose kid are you? Like, that's so weird. It's weirdly specific. So she goes to school. I go to this meeting in downtown Minneapolis, and I walk into this historic Wesley building. And the moment I walked in, uh, there's a glass dome over the sanctuary, and the words came flying out of my mouth. Wow. In fact, here's a picture of that auditorium. Yeah, yeah, you just said it. I said, wow, and I was like, oh my gosh, I just said, wow. I just said, wow, oh my gosh. You'll know this is the one when you look up and you say, wow. I just started taking pictures, right? I mean, I was like, I was freaking out. I had like this Holy Spirit buzz. Of course, my daughter went to school that day. She drew the picture so that I could know if it was the one. And by the time I came walking in the door that evening, she came running up to me with this drawing and she said, is this the building you looked at today? Because this is the building God showed me. And when I saw her, picture, I totally freaked out because look at the picture I took four hours earlier. Uh, the picture I took four hours earlier is on the bottom. The picture she drew at school that day is on the top. I saw her picture and notice the color of the carpet covered in red. And I mean, I kept thinking, what are the odds what are the odds of a balcony being curved like that? What are the odds of a 10-year-old even drawing a curved balcony with any sort of accuracy? What are the odds that I took that picture and, and I, she's never seen the building ever before outside of what the Lord showed her? And I kept thinking, what are the odds? And I, I kind of freaked out. I mean... Um, I immediately called up our trustees, our directors, and I said, you guys, I think God is doing a miracle for our church. And guess what? We called a meeting, and that exact Thursday is when we decided to go for that building. And it's literally in the heart of our downtown restaurant district, coolest place you could ever pick for a church. And get this, although that building would normally cost about $40 million to build from scratch, guess what we got it for? $2 million in cash. Insane. Okay, here's a here's a 20 second clip just of, of us moving in on the first Sunday. Check this out. Isn't that crazy, church? Isn't that crazy? 130-year-old building built by Civil War contemporaries. That same year, God ended up giving us another $20 million building for $2 million. Two huge miracles in one year. And, and, and uh, guess who all started coming back? All the people that left to us. You know what I'm saying? I just... Now, why... Am I sharing this story? Because I just have the sense that there's a few of you who are discouraged about the thing that you're trusting God for. And I just believe that God wants to remind you that he's still alive. He's still at work on your dreams, but it's critical you understand something, church. Loved ones, God has a more important agenda than building our dreams. 
And you know what that is? It's building us. Building in us the character that can sustain the weight of his blessings. Are you hearing me? You see, I, I, again, how do we get there? Well, by doing what Cornelius did, just by honoring God with the basics, by flexing that faith muscle in prayer, by flexing that generosity muscle, I'm telling you, it moves the heart of God. But even more than that, God knows that it's actually building in us the type of faith that can sustain the weight of his blessings. Listen to me, loved ones. The question is not, does God want to bless you? He does. The real issue is, do we have the character to sustain that blessing without bowing down and worshiping the very thing that he wants to bless us with? Because let's be honest, that's what a lot of us do. We literally idolize the very things that we're praying for. That's why we're praying for it. That's why in my heart, I have to stop myself. I don't pray for buildings. I pray for character worthy of buildings. I never pray for money. I pray for stewardship and generosity worthy of more money. I don't pray for the perfect spouse. I pray that I would have the character to, to experience the perfect spouse. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that I can help my wife be all that she can be. And I, I just, I wanna, I wanna share that with you because I just, listen, God has the ability to snap his fingers and do anything. And if he can do these things for Cornelius, if he can do it for me, then guess what? He can do it for you too. And maybe you're here and you're like, you're new to this whole God thing. I just shared a lot of miracle stories with you because I wanna stimulate your faith. I want you to believe God for more. And so just wherever you're at, would you close your eyes and would you just do business with God? Maybe you're here and you're like me in the nightclub and you're like, gosh, I, I don't even know if I believe in God. Listen, all I'm asking is that you would take whatever little bit of faith you got and you'd put it in the hands of the Lord. And I really believe that God is gonna show up. He's gonna reveal himself to you in a powerful way. So Heavenly Father, you see all the people here today. You know exactly what they're trusting you for right now. And Father, I just pray that all of us would respond to the great and glorious adventure that you have for us. And and Lord, even for those of us who are like, We don't have much faith at all. Lord, we take whatever little bit of faith we got and we put it in your hands and we draw closer to you. And church, if you're agreeing with what I'm praying, then just everybody, repeat this after me. Say this, say, dear Jesus, forgive me, renew me, and lead me starting today and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Such a great message this morning. Hey, if that is you today, you are like a Cornelius, that God was reaching out to your heart this morning and you responded. We would actually love to know about that decision. We actually have some resources that we'd love to give you that will help you on your discipleship journey. The Connect card that I mentioned earlier in the service, if you grab that Connect card, check off the appropriate box. And everybody needs a a one-time moment where they say yes to God. But Jesus has called us all to be disciples. In other words, lifelong learners moving closer to him. So grab that Connect card, check off the appropriate box. And if you take that card to the info desk in our lobby, we have some resources, some materials that will help you on your journey of faith that you have started today. Such a great word this morning, Pastor Peter. We take that encouragement, church, don't we? Amen. That God is building the character in us for the blessings that he wants to give to us. Because why? Because God wants to bless us, to make us a blessing in the earth. Thank God for that. Just want to remind you about the announcements that we made early in the service uh, for youth and for young adults. um, and And then worship and prayer night this Wednesday. And also, if you came to church this morning hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you, if you are facing any sickness and disease, any other difficult situation, immediately after the service is dismissed here in just a second, some of our church leaders will be up here at the front of the stage, and they will be happy to pray with you about any of those circumstances. Let's all stand up together today, and leaders, you can make your way up to the front to get ready to pray. Thanks for coming to church this morning. Next Sunday, we're going to be launching a brand new series, our legacy series that we're doing every year. It's going to be an exciting time. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the warm weather. You are dismissed.